So we see the Kroger are considered a people too irresponsible for the technology they had, and yet the galaxy was more than happy to use them to end the Rachni Wars. Indeed, as the impetus of the Rachni Wars appears to be a fundamental miscommunication between hive mind and individualist... Jen! Questions? Uh, This is fascinating, Jen. But our podcast is an only an hour long, and you've already taken up 45 minutes on something you've titled The Genophage, More Like Geno Rage. Oh, bosh dead. morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever time of day it is when you listen. Welcome once again to Gaming Street Irregulars. I'm James Irish, joined as always by Chrissy Harding. Hi everyone! And today in the digital podcast booth, we have uh, our, the amazing Jen, whose last name flew out of my last, my brain! Acom. 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 Thank Acom. you. I'm going to type that down. <laughs> it's been said be that here. the human brain needs to hear something 12 times before it actually remembers it. I think I've only heard that 11. Oh, well, that number sounds low to me. Yeah. So, so as you guys are wondering, we have the lovely Jen in the uh, in our studio today to talk about one of probably the most water-winning games so far in the past 10 years or so. Uh, 2007, so a little over 10 years, and that is the amazing Mass Effect. Um, as we all know, on May 14th, Mass Effect's Legendary Edition did drop for all of our Mass Effect fans out there, and Jen is probably the biggest Mass Effect fan I have ever met in my life, which is why I adore her, because she's just as geeky about things as I am. <laughs> so, uh, Jen, why don't you tell us what really drew you into this game? Um, it I consider it the first video game I have ever played. Uh, so I got in on the game, like the the console thing, really late, and my friend was playing it. And <clears throat> there's this scene where your ship approaches the citadel, and your characters just like look out the window and see it, and it's the graphics are amazing. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in like a video game. And um, that was when I was like, okay, I, I need to play this. Okay. Yeah. So. And then uh, the characters are amazing. I mean, the voice acting is amazing. Um, as far as uh, a video game for somebody who isn't used to like a console stuff it's really good because it has um a bunch of different settings one of them is the narrative setting so if you just want to play the game and see the story um there's one where they'll die the difficulty like way down so that you don't have to um you know spend a lot of time 
getting frustrated because your characters keep dying. <laughs> okay, that I could see that coming in handy for a lot of people. In fact, that, that anything that makes the game more accessible is a good thing in my book. Yeah, and that is agreed. This was the first game I played that involved like any kind of accuracy needed because. I mean, I, I did play um, like Pokemon and Final Fantasy X forever ago, and that's more like strategy. You don't have to aim and shoot at anything, and um, ugh, it's just such a good game. I I was surprised I got sucked into it as much because usually the 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 shooter games just kind of like irritate me, and um, I end up losing my interest. And this just sucked me in for the entire time. I think also probably a lot of that too is it's the storytelling in this game. Like I think this is the first shooter game that I've seen where you're really in the control seat for the whole game. It's your story from Commander Shepard and how you develop Commander Shepard to the interactions he has with his crew and picking who you trust and who you don't trust. And, you know, the game, even like your decisions in the combat, areas do affect the game and the story that comes out later on down the road as well like that was yeah. one of the big things about this game is it's it's you you are in the dry as the player you are in the driver's seat yeah it's not one of those games where where the goal is just to like kill everybody okay congratulations go to the next step and then kill some more people you can choose um to be like merciful there's a whole paragon renegade thing where uh depending what you choose on like the dialogue tree gives you points to either one and if you decide to be a jerk to everybody uh that's going to affect how different characters respond to you and it's going to affect what things you can choose later in the game so like i always end up playing Paragon because um, <laughs> I can't even separate from reality. Like, oh, I was mean to that person and now I feel bad. And it's, I'm having a brain fart. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I can hear like, Jade in the background giving her opinion. Yes. Yes. It, well, there's just like so much information, like, the world building in this game is absolutely insane. One of the things that I liked was that you don't jump into the game as like, oh, that's so. Hi, Zoe. There are unauthorized people in the yard and he doesn't like that. Zoe is a macaw. Um, just a moment. I'm going to see where people are um, and if that's going to be. Yeah. Oh, okay. It uh, looks like um, we've got some motorcycles in the um, driveway. And for some reason, Zoe, if there's something he sees in the yard that gets changed, um, he can see it from, like, the windows and just he has opinions. Messing um, with his reality. Yeah, yeah. He has very strong opinions. and He's a macaw, so he has the volume to put that across. Well, while we re-straighten out uh, Zoe's reality, we're going to take a short break. And when we return, <laughs> we're going to get right into the nitty-gritty of Mass Effect.
When Mass Effect first came out in 2007, it was an exclusive for the Xbox 360, developed by BioWare and originally published by Microsoft themselves and continues to be published on on Microsoft platform for Xbox while Electronic Arts BioWare's current owner is releases it on PC and PS3. This is the first game of an intended trilogy taking place in the year 2183 where civilization is threatened by a highly advanced machine race known as the Reapers. As you're getting started, you as Commander Shepard and your associate Kaiden are sent to the human colony of Eden Prime to recover an unearthed Prothean beacon. So tell us a little bit about how this game starts off. Well, uh, people who um, remember the OG meme of Leroy Jenkins will appreciate the first person who gets redshirted. His name isn't Leroy, but his last name is Jenkins, and he does run into combat and immediately get killed. So I appreciated that. This Did he at least have chicken? Sorry, what was that? Did he at least have chicken? He did not. No. Oh. He never had chicken again. So, like, one of the things that I like about this game is that this it doesn't start with you as humanity, like, discovering the alien races um, and the, the Mass Effect fields, which allow, like, faster-than-light travel. You are dropped in a couple of decades after humanity has sort of um, realized that we're not alone. And all of the, like, complications that are involved with what's basically a brand new species to all of the other people um, or aliens in the game. Um, Humanity having to prove itself that we're not a bunch of, you know, stupid monkeys who make bad decisions. And then uh, as far as the very first thing that you end up doing is you end up on Eden Prime and you're trying to figure out, uh, if I remember correctly, like what happened to the colony there because um, humanity has set up colonies, you know, all across the galaxy on these little worlds. And you you are Commander Shepard. There are three different little things that you can choose from when you're making your character. So you can choose your origin story a little bit. Um, I like that Commander Shepard isn't just a complete blank slate the way you are in like um, Skyrim. They do have a direction that they like kind of head you in. So you are sort of playing yourself, but you're also playing um, a character that sort of has an established background already. And the the voice acting is amazing. <laughs> you can do Male Shepherd. I feel that Femme Shep is the best because it's voiced by Jennifer Hale, who is absolutely amazing. She's been in everything. There's just like a little bit of a difference with the way that she does it. It's a lot more kind of I don't know, theatrical compared to the guy who does Male Shepherd. Mark Meir. Yes. Uh, it's, it's very good, but I, I immediately played Femchep because, you know, as a chick, I was like, oh, cool. Uh, a character that is female. This is going to be neat. And I played through the game and then I was sitting watching my friend play it and he was playing uh, Male Shepherd. And it was just so disappointing. I was like, something feels weird. Like it was, it was very different to kind of like sit and watch this thing that you've been absolutely like submerged in 
uh, with a completely different voice. And um, yeah, so Femme Shep Supremacy, she's awesome. Uh, Jennifer Hale's amazing. <laughs> as far as like the, the so like getting back to Eden Prime, um, you find what is called the conduit. You kind of like get sucked into it. And that basically kind of starts you getting thrown into um, something is happening in the galaxy. No one really knows what it is. They look at you as like a crazy person. Okay, so you, okay, it's a conduit. Congrats. Like you bumped your head. This isn't something we're going to pay attention to. You're just a human. You're like a brand new baby as far as the galaxy is concerned. The the three races that are, they, it's like the Citadel Council kind of control, not really controls everything, but they're like the big, um, uh, the, the three races that, I don't know, kind of like the United Nations, <laughs> uh, that make sure that, you know, one race isn't going to town on somebody else, making sure that borders are being respected territory, all that other stuff, stopping wars from happening, a lot of diplomatic stuff. And um, when Commander Shepard comes in and is like, hey, I saw something really weird. They look at her as, okay, like, we don't really believe this is going to be a problem. So you can go away. Thank you. Kind of sounds a little bit of like um, Star Trek with the Federation, where the Federation is like, we're here to make sure like nobody, everyone behaves, no one does anything stupid, put the guns down. Yeah, yeah I was I, picking up some Star Trek parallels there myself uh, yeah. when you were describing uh, how humanity is only a recent arrival into space. They're going into an established galaxy where interstellar travel is fairly established and humanity is trying to prove themselves. It. it Probably the closest analog I can think of is the series Enterprise. Um, yeah, and the fun mm-hmm. thing is, is they don't exactly have a prime directive, but they do have this kind of hands-off approach to uh, races that have not discovered that they're not alone yet. Like um, one of the the driving you know backstories of the game is that there's this race called the Krogans. Well. Um, the Krogans can survive pretty much anything. They're giant, tanky lizard monsters, and they get approached. Well, that's the best kind of lizard monster. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> they, they get approached by the Citadel because there's this hive mind race called the Rachni that, or Rachni um, that are kind of like they have the numbers kind of like in Ender's game where a hive mind can just keep throwing individuals at you and not really care because they're a hive mind. They're not individualistic. Um, and they're the, the universe is threatened by that. And they, the Citadel council, well, I don't know if Citadel council, but you know, the, the powers that be approach the Krogans and are like, Hey, we're getting overrun by these things. We need your help. Uh, here's what we're going to give you. And uh, that really bites them in the butt because the Krogans are like, yes, and thank you. And also now we are going to spread across the galaxy because we can survive anything and we're going to do that. And so you get kind of um, 
like, okay, well, now we have this problem to take care of. And then there's the ethical implications of that, where treating like another race as childish and too stupid to deal with, um, you know, complex things like nuclear warfare and uh, terraforming and all that other stuff. And um, it ends up bringing in they, they solve that by hiring a bunch of scientists to make Krogan's basically sterile, which is horrifying. And one of the backstories uh, of the game is dealing with that. Like the Krogan's are obviously unhappy because they can't have children. And then um, they're, they're hostile to like, I don't want to say pretty much everybody, but they're not happy with anybody. And you need to, one of the best characters in the game is a Krogan. And in the game, you have to win him over to you. Um, and I don't consider this a spoiler exactly because if. Oh, spoil away. This game yeah, is. Uh, it's a 15 well, been a, Yeah. At this point, if you have not played Mass Effect, what's wrong with you? Um, and um, <laughs> well, I guess you're asking what's wrong with me then. Oh, it's well, so we good. we know you, oh. you, you, we know we James, we we know what your problem is. There's too many games and not enough time. Well, Basically, yeah, yeah. But, which is uh, one of the reasons. Know, I, I don't mind spoilers one bit. You go right on ahead. It's more about the. It's more about taking the journey than not knowing where the journey is going to lead. Well, Indeed. I consider this a spoiler as far as if I don't spoil it for you and you choose the wrong thing, it's going to spoil the rest of the game. There's a part where you're talking to Rex and you've got three um, chances. There's like three beats, like you talk, he talks, you talk, he talks, you talk, he talks. And if you don't convince him by that third time, one of your squad mate just uh, comes out of nowhere and shoots him in the head and then he dies and then you don't have him for the rest of that game or the next game or the next game um, I I obviously made sure that I had Rex because he was amazing so I'm not sure how that affects um, the rest of the game but like that's kind of like where that is as far as you know interspecies relations like all, none of these species, there's they, they get along, but there's a lot of mistrust and, you know, political machinations that are kind of happening behind the scenes that you have to take care of. The, the big thing is that nobody believes Shepard, that there is a danger here. And the danger is the Reapers. Um, they're basically like giant squid machines. Uh, they are... They they are interested in um, sort of like infiltrating. Well, not really infiltrate. They want to take things over. It's your your basic like big bad guy where we're going to rule the world. Um, except nobody really knows where it came from, what it wants, and the the council doesn't believe Shepard that this is something that you have to worry about. So you have to investigate this while you're doing all this other stuff to kind of like get the council on your good side. Um, there's a lot of side quests. There's this uh, specter is the kind of um, you 
end up being the first human specter. Like you do enough quests for the Citadel or whatever, you prove that you are uh, responsible and that you can do all of you know the stuff that a, a specter needs to do. Um, but before that happens, you deal with a specter named Saren, who is a Turian, and he is running around basically doing the opposite of what you're doing. He's helping the Reapers um, to some extent. It's He doesn't really know what the Reapers are up to either, but he knows that he's going to basically, he's, I don't want to say he helps them, but he's... He's uh, he's counteracting everything that you do. He's running around on these colonies, he's killing people. He's like destabilizing stuff. And so you have to figure out what he's up to. You have to convince the council that he's a danger because he is um, one of their most important specters. Um, you know, they trust him because he's been around forever. And um, they don't believe you when you saw him at Eden Prime, like, shoot somebody in the head. They're like, mm, we're pretty sure that he didn't do that. And even if he did, eh. So you kind of... So he's a massive spanner in the works. Yeah. Except he's kind of like the wild pretty, card. Yeah. He's he's pretty intriguing. He's he's a really good uh, enemy, enemy character. Uh yeah, antagonist at least. Antagonist. There we go. Because he's clever and you are he's like kind of always one step ahead of you. He has more resources than you. I'm trying to draw on like my memory too because there's just there's so much in this game that I was thinking back on it and I remembered like the main part where like you're fighting against the reapers is not even the thing that like had the most impact on me for the game which is really funny because it's like the reason that you're playing it's the thing that keeps driving things forward yeah this and the, this game is full of a lot of those moments where it's they're tough choices to make that will haunt you yeah mm-hmm. um i kind of there's there's a point where you know you have to you have ashley you have kaden uh they are your two human squad mates at one part of the game you have to choose which one of them is going to survive. And I wasn't a huge fan of Ashley. I played it once where I did let her survive. I always ended up choosing Caden. It's, and that, you know, that comes back to to bite you in the butt. Well, not bite you in the butt, but it, it comes back, you know, in, in the next games. Um, the, your squad characters are awesome. They're there is, um, there's Rex, who I already talked about. There is Tali Zora, who is a Quarian, who's, it's like, the, it's a nomadic race. And they are on the universe's crap list because way back when the Quarians created artificial intelligence and the artificial intelligence doing what it does, you know, gained sentience, started asking the big questions like, why am I here? I wasn't a huge fan of like that answer being you're here to take care of things for us. And they Mm. end up, yeah, (laughs) there's, there's a, uh, a whole thing with that where the Geth being the artificial intelligence that they create kind of end up running rampant. And so 
artificial intelligence is outlawed, which turns into like the the underlying thing that ends up running through all the games is artificial intelligence versus I don't know biological intelligence or whatever. Um, and boy, so, imagine if they were told that their sole purpose was to pass the butter. Yeah, they don't like it. They're not a fan. Uh, they destroy the Korean homeworld, or they infest the Korean homeworld. So Koreans only live in spaceships now. They are, are extremely susceptible to um, contaminants. Like, they'll have an anaphylactic reaction to pretty much anything. So they wear these suits that keep them <laughs> hermetically sealed. The big thing with Tali is that you never see her face. Um, you can just kind of, she's got a, a purple shield. You can kind of see her eyes glowing behind it. They are really isolated from the universe. The universe doesn't like them. They're looked upon as untrustworthy. Uh, there's a lot of parallels between the way they're treated and like the Roma of our world. Um, they go on little pilgrimages where they leave the spaceship that they live in and they sort of wander around and they come back when they have something of worth to bring their family. And Tali, when we meet her, she's on her pilgrimage. Um, there is uh, my favorite character ever, Garrus Vicarian. He is a Turian. Um, he is very idealistic. He, uh, when, when you meet him, he is basically like, single-handedly taking care of all of these mercenary factions on um, this one planet. He starts out as a really, really idealistic character and then ends up turning into like a more complicated, jaded character. There's Caden, who's a human biotic, and uh, he has like horrible migraines because, uh, like biotics, like there is so much in this game. Like I start talking about something and then there's like 20 other things to like bring in and be like, okay, so the backstory behind this, da, 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 da. The whole reason that humanity ends up being in this story is that the uh, humans get to Mars. They mess around on Mars. Um, they discover element zero, which is the super rare element that turns, um, gives some humans biotic abilities and uh, which is basically like, you know, you can throw stuff, you can create force fields, um, all this interesting stuff. And at Mars, they discover a Mass Effect relay, which is, you know, what allows them to contact all of these other people. The biotic thing with Caden is that he was exposed to element zero. Um, there are these amps that you have installed in your head that help you control that stuff. And he has horrible headaches because the amp that they installed in him was like one of the first ones. So it's got all of these bugs. There's a romance option with him, which is, eh, it's okay. There's like three different people you can romance. And if you are Femship, you can do him or you can do one of your other uh, squad mates, who is Liara, who is Anasari, who are a race that don't really have a gender. I mean, they have like one gender um, they all sort of present as um, femme. They reproduce by, I don't even, like, I don't know, mind melding or whatever, but they, they're, they're 
one of the races on the Citadel that they're like one of the big three that are on the council. And they're this like matriarchal society. They're very sophisticated. Um, they're blue. <laughs> they, uh, with Liara, she is very young compared to like all of the other Asari because Asari can live for a very, very long time. And so she's very naive when she gets brought into things. She's trying to figure out more about the Protheans, which are the mysterious race that died out forever ago that created all of the Mass Effect relays and created the Citadel because the Citadel was kind of there when everybody found it. There's like, I don't want to say race, but like one of the things in the story is that eventually somebody, like one of the races comes across the Citadel and discovers it. Um, I can't remember who does it first. Uh, I don't think the Asari did it first, but the, 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 the Citadel is like preformed. Nobody knows why it exists. No one knows who made it. Um, the Protheans are supposedly the ones who did it. Uh, but nobody knows anything about them because they've been extinct for, you know, thousands of years. The Asari consider the Protheans um, like uh, not gods exactly, but like I don't know. It they they look upon the Protheans as like an establishing race. Like you gave us all of these things. Everybody uses Prothean technology. No one knows how to like create it or how it works. Really, people are constantly trying to figure that out and kind of getting stymied. The big thing with that is that you need to figure out what the um, not really what the Protheans were up to, but you you have to investigate the Protheans in order to to be able to fix the whole Reaper situation. Um, so there's okay. Lara, there's uh, there's Ashley Williams, who is one of your human characters. You have to choose between. And the one that uh, I didn't really like, her driving force, well, not driving force exactly, but her, her thing is that she is xenophobic, which amuses me because we're used to saying xenophobic and just meaning like foreigners. And then this game, it really means like it literally xeno aliens. Um, she doesn't trust aliens there's the the this whole backstory where the first contact wars where when humans uh, realized we're not alone they got all up in turian space and messed with stuff and the turians retaliated and there was a war where it was just like giant misunderstandings a lot of people died which left a lot of humans feeling very angry about how things went you know, a war that you weren't expecting to that you probably didn't think was your fault at all because you're like, I don't know, I just kind of like got here. Why are you shooting at me? So Ashley, is, she doesn't trust aliens, which is going to be interesting because everybody on your ship is like all of your squad mates. You're going to be bringing a lot of aliens onto it and you're going to be interacting with other cultures. And she doesn't trust any of them. She doesn't really want them on your ship <clears throat> she thinks it's gonna end up uh screwing you over and 
that's pretty much as far as I got with her because, you know, in the middle of the game, you have to choose between the two characters. And every time I've, I've played the game three times and every time I just end up, you know, being like, eh, see you later. The, the two human characters are kind of, in my opinion, the least interesting. Um, Kaden's okay, but it's the, the backgrounds of all of the other characters are just so in-depth that you kind of like, okay, yeah, I know humans. I am one. So give me more of something else. I think that's all of the squad members for this game. Um, okay. In that case... <laughs> Yeah, there's yeah, let's get into some something a little uh, a little chunkier. Let's let's talk about some of the game's mechanics. I want to specifically touch on the class system that you because you have six different classes you can choose from, and they each seem like they have some significant effects on the gameplay itself. Could you elaborate some more on those? I liked the class system because I felt like it wasn't too specific. Um, a lot of times when you're playing a game that makes you choose what your character is going to be capable of, you play it for three hours and then realize that you absolutely hate it. Uh, the The class system for this is uh, pretty good. Sorry, let me pull the, up the thing that I was looking at. Um, it's... You've got your, uh, it's called an adept. It's basically, that is your biotic abilities is what you're going to be focusing on. Um, <clears throat> manipulating matter like telekinesis, force fields, um, some defense. Uh, there's a soldier character, which is combat heavy and uh, lots, of, lots of heavy weaponry, shotguns, uh, assault rifles, um, there is an option to punch people in the face, which is always fun. If you do it like 500 times, you get an <laughs> award. Uh, there's the engineer, which is very techy. You do have things that you have to like infiltrate and unlock. So if you aren't up on being an engineer, you have to rely on your squad mates to do that. And that's a real pain because there's, you, you have so many squad mates and you can only have two of them with you at a time. So you'll be out on a mission and you won't have somebody who can hack into something. And then it's like, Oh cool. So I just won't know what this does ever. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I, I usually ended up playing engineer. I can't remember what the other two I played were just because it is so good at being flexible for if you can play an engineer and then decide that you want to do a bunch of biotic stuff it limits like what you can do as far as biotics go, but you, you still have those abilities. Um, the Vanguard is biotic combat. So like biotics, but a little bit more tanky. Uh, the Sentinel is technology and biotics. And then the Infiltrator, which is probably the one that I was the most fond of is um, technology and combat. So you have better, you have a bigger range of like weapons. Um, I always ended up playing sniper because I like to hide in a corner to pick people off. And there's the tech combat, uh, not combat um, component. So where you don't feel like, you know, you're stuck not being able to do a part of this plot. From there, you can specialize. So there's like a medic option, um, let's see, I'm going through it. 
to jog my memory destroyers. <laughs> like there's a, a, a biotic thing where you can like, um, not exactly rip someone apart, but you know, you throw them and it's, it's very unpleasant for the person on the other end of that. Um, Ouch. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, they get pretty specific. Like you can, you can choose where you want to go with that. And, um, like, like I said, that's one of my least favorite things is when I'm playing a game and I put three hours into it and I have to like start all over again because the, the class or whatever that I chose wasn't something that is, uh, you know, tailored to my play style. Okay. And each of these classes have their own uh, subclasses within them too, which gives them a little more flexibility, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you it's can. A, it's um, a little bit like the D and D classes. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you want to do, you can become a little bit more specific. Um, like you can heal. Uh, what's I can't remember which one involves. Um, I think it's the Vanguard that involves it. But there's an option. There's a skill that you can get where if one of your squad mates goes down. You can like resurrect them basically. There's, uh, as far as like combat goes, you, there are a couple of different options. If I remember correctly, you can have your squad mates be like, have the game choose what they're going to do, or you can have more control over like where you're going to have them go, what you're going to have them do. I always had them pretty much just be as autonomous as possible because I didn't want to do a whole lot of directing. Um, but you can, you can like go in and have them go in a certain direction or if you need them to do something, you can go in and direct them to like use a power or whatever. And then you can only have two at a time and the people that you choose really affects like what the dialogue is going to be during combat. And every scene is sort of tailored a little bit differently based on who you've got with you. So if you've got Garrus and Tali with you, who you interact with, they're going to respond differently than if you have like Liara and Kanan with you. Each character sort of has their own little like quest that they need completed where you have to take them like when you do Liara's quest where you go find her mother you can't be like eh, Liara is not coming on this one uh you have to take her but you 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 know you can choose who you bring with you it'll change you know how the the people that you talk to uh approach you it's it's one of those things where multiple playthroughs through this game is actually a really good idea because you are going to get a different playthrough like every time. The core components pretty much stay the same, but there's even just like walking in the Citadel is there's this thing that I love where there are these side conversations where you are walking around and you'll hear somebody having a conversation and um, that will give you like a little quest marker will show up in your codex or whatever. And the conversations, once you've heard that part of the conversation, 
you're not going to hear the rest of it until you like go and do something and then come back. So there were multiple times where I was just like leaving and coming back and leaving and coming back just so I could hear what the rest of the conversation was between these two people who I can't talk to directly like ever. And then the little quest that you complete for them, you'll like go stand next to them the next time and you'll hear the resolution of that quest from their perspective. And like the Citadel is just gorgeous. So running around trying to eavesdrop on people is not as, uh, what's the word, Um, boring as you think it would be. Um, Or at least I'm nosy. So I enjoyed it a whole lot. Now, roughly how long is a single playthrough? (laughs) I have no idea. Um, I played this game while I was house sitting for my friends. I like to call it the lost weekend because I basically just park my butt in front of an Xbox. And I'd say I probably completed it in like a week or two, but that was, you know, interspersed with, you know, work and all that other stuff. That was unfortunate things. Um, It's not a super long game. It's, it's not a quick game like portal. It's not as long as the second one is very long. Um, But there's, we're not looking at a Skyrim type of length here. No. Oh my God. Well, (laughs) I still have. So according. Yeah put a lot of hours into that. So, so according to the internet, because hey, that's where all the right answers are, Mass mm-hmm. Effect 1, which is usually the shortest game in the trilogy, will run you 15 to 30 hours of game time. Not including the downloadable content. That sounds right. about right. I didn't have my own Xbox when I played this game. I was going over to my friends, and he's a terrible enabler. So he was like, he was enjoying watching me play the video game and he was like, yeah, come over, hang out with us. You play your video game and like not talk to anybody like a, a creepy little person who just appeared in our house. This is fantastic. He actually ended up giving me that Xbox when he upgraded. So that was what started me playing, you know, video games on a console and 40 hours sounds about right because <laughs> it took me. I think it took me a little bit longer than a week because I wasn't, uh, I, I didn't have as much of an opportunity to play. It feels shorter than that. I guess it, it's one of those things that it conversely feels shorter, but it also feels longer. It's just got so much stuff in it. Uh, I completely forgot what else I was going to say about um, the length of it. Oh, uh, it's, kind of sandboxy but not enough to be like Skyrim where you can literally just sink your entire life into it and never finish the game there's a lot of stuff to explore but at some point you do run out of things to look at in a certain place so you do have to like progress forward the um you know there's a there's a ton of places to investigate on the citadel but at some point you do have to actually like leave the citadel and then come back for new things to show up. As far as uh, exploring the planets, you get a vehicle called the Mako, which is very polarizing. A lot of people hate it. Uh, I liked it. It's very clunky. There were a bunch of times when I got stuck like on a mountaintop or something like that because I like to go places. My character was 
definitely not intended to go. But you use that to crawl around on planet surfaces. Um, you'll get to these little outposts where you actually do get out of the Mako and, uh, you know, go in and investigate whatever is going on. But you don't get out and uh, explore the surface, like, on your own, like, walking around um, the 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 exploration as far as that goes isn't isn't like you know like it is with skyrim where it's just like one unending uh universe where you can basically just like never ever finish the game and just plunk yourself down somewhere and and i don't know uh catch butterflies for the rest of your life there is i i have add so sandbox games are dangerous for me I never end up finishing them. I love them, but I never end up finishing them. In this game, it was like, it's constantly like pointing, like, okay, you did this, go go do this other thing now. You know, the reason you're here. That's fair. <laughs> that's, one of the, that's one of the reasons that's why, yeah, me and Sandbox, yeah, Sandbox games and people with ADD do not mix. Like, we will sit there and do the same thing over and over again when hyper-focus kicks in. We all know what hyper-focus is when you're ADD. <laughs> Oh, yes. well, looking at you, Animal Crossing. My big thing. With, I got my um, eyes on you. Yeah, with the sandbox games, is like there's always a new marker on the horizon, and it doesn't matter if I'm, you know, in the middle of doing something. I will see that marker, and then I'm like, I have not discovered that yet. I need to go to there. Which is fair. We've all done that. Right. Um, yeah. So We've Mass all Effect. All done that. The side quests. I think are just as fun as the main quest. Um, they end up tying into the main quest. There is a side quest. <laughs> there is a side quest where you investigate Citadel traffic because there have been too many hovercraft accidents and it's being covered up by like, that is the most mundane, dumbest thing to put in there. And it's hilarious. You're, you're going, there's this some, there's someone for traffic control who's like, Hey, people keep dying in horrible accidents and no one's doing anything about it. And you have to like snoop so she can break the story. So this doesn't happen again. Um, there's a quest with, it's not an ATM, but it looks like an ATM and it's sentient and it's sucking funds from people. So I can't remember exactly how you get turned on to it. Um, it might even be that you overhear somebody being like, man, I had 500 credits in my bank account and now I have four. And this ATM, its whole thing is it's gained sentience. It's sucking credits out of different accounts in the Citadel so that it can like put itself on a, a, a spaceship and, you know, not be an ATM anymore because it's stuck in a corner. <laughs> Gosh. And if you discover it, it's an existential crisis. Yes, exactly. And people complain about mass effect three. They, somebody said that the artificial intelligence thing that mass effect three gave us an answer to a question. No one was asking. And I was like, no, the AI was always a super huge part of this story. And I mean, even with just that like little side quest, it enters this whole other realm of like, what does it mean to be a thinking autonomous creature? Oh, and if you can't, if you can't hack the ATM in time, it goes, screw you, I'm out of here. And it blows up and you die. 
uh, which is hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's the tiniest little side quest. And I have tried it a million times to not, I, I did it on purpose because I wanted to know if I could. And I did it like six or seven times where when the ATM starts counting down, can you outrun it? Uh, and I was never able to. So it's like insta death for a side quest that's like takes like, I don't know, half an hour to complete or something like just, just tiny out of nowhere. Um, there's a side quest where you are investigating the, the creatures that maintain the citadel they're called creepers not creepers keepers i call them creepers i don't like them they're green and they've got like weird spidery uh appendages and nobody knows what they do no one knows why they're there uh they were there when the citadel was discovered and uh anytime you try to perform any kind of experiments or assess them they self-destruct so they don't hurt anybody but there's they, they definitely have an interest in, you know, being left alone to do their little duties. And there's a side quest where you kind of observe them and you have to run around the Citadel and find each keeper. And there's like one that's always hidden somewhere that you can't find it. That's super obnoxious. And it's the dumbest quest in the world because it doesn't have a resolution. Like you. You're get- kidding you give the Solarian the information and he's like, I'll see what I can find out. And then nothing. It's there's nothing after that. Yeah. Well, in this game, um, (laughs) in the second game, um, you get an email from the Solarian who uh, looked at the research and was like, Hey, I crunched the numbers. And uh, I think that there might be something more going on with the Citadel. Like, with uh, the Reapers being able to to control this. And you're like, oh, cool. This is information that would have been like really nice in the first game. Naturally. Yeah. Yeah. So now this game is not without its own bit of controversy too. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think I remember, I remember when, I remember when this controversy came out and I was just kind of sitting there with popcorn and just watching if there's neoconservatives in our listening audience, uh, please don't be offended by this, but watching your talking heads explode over a rumor of what was in this game, I just kind of sat there and was eating popcorn, like just watching the heads explode. Cause, yeah, so, and it, and it kind of proved too, like someone actually came out and said to these people, did you ever play the game? Well, no, no. I heard it was from a friend of a friend Mm-hmm. Which, if anyone listened to our last podcast, that's how Ru- that's how urban legends get started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like okay. the, it, it quote unquote broke in the news. Like, there's going to be a sex scene. Yeah, there's a sex scene. It's like PG thirteen. Uh, it's super cheesy, and the whole thing was this um, news anchor got up was talking about how it was basically porn X rated. The new game Mass Effect is an X rated scene for da 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 da, and. She, I got the like, quote right here from neoconservative blogger Kevin McCullough, who employed statements such as Mass Effect can be customized to sodomize whatever, whomever, however the game player wishes. And with its over the net capabilities, virtual orgasmic, I'm not even repeating oh this word, God. is just the push of a button away. 
So, and what came out about this was actually a longtime anti-obscenity campaigner, Jack Thompson, um, who was also in the, but he came out and he was like this for Jack Thompson, who literally has not met an offended, an an offense that he did not enjoy, came out and said, this is absolutely ridiculous. Jack Thompson, for those not in the know, is one of the most notorious anti-video game crusaders of the last 20 years. Yeah, so mm. even he was like, you're crazy, to, to this blogger. And then similarly, on a Fox News program, one of the hosts discussed the sexual contact of the game. I mean, this game got so much coverage over this. I've seen the scene. I'm like, wow, there's more explicit things on primetime than in this game. And Laura, uh, Cooper Lawrence, who is a self-proclaimed psychology specialist, she kept saying it was teaching, it, it, this was actually the beginner, I think, of Gamergate, was it was teaching p- players to look at women as objects, at which point the person who was her counterpoint said, did you play the game? And she's like, no, but I stand by, I, you know, kind of like I, I said what I said. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until she watched a playthrough of the game, a two and a half hour long playthrough, that she retracted her earlier statement. She only, yeah, the only reason why she was against this game was she was told by other people was similar to pornography. My favorite part about that is um, she wrote a book and if you went to Amazon, people had immediately flooded the reviews with this book promotes such, such, such an other thing. I haven't read it, but I've heard that this is what it does. And like, it has like a one star rating because a bunch of nerds got very angry that she was so dumb about covering this. Yeah. And that was, yeah, that was the thing is the sarcastically, they had not read her book, but had heard from someone that the book was bad and thus deserved to be voted low. And I, that was kind of like, as I tell people, like, that's how nerds get back at you. (laughs) Like, We're not going to get angry. We're not going to yell at you, but don't try to promote something on it on a platform you know nothing about because we will win. Yeah. It's the the whole romance options for that game are, they're pretty cheesy. It gets way better in the second version. Yeah. But it's just like, come on. This is, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not even at like dating sim levels of explicitness. It's, they kiss at one point. There's uh, an implied, well, not exactly. They make out on camera and then you're like, ta-da, we're done. It's the most. Yeah. It's, but yeah. interestingly enough, that is why this game got banned in Sin- Singapore. Uh, I did not know that. Oh, yeah, it was actually this. Yeah, it was banned in Singapore for a short time until until it was lifted with an M18 rating. And the reasoning why was because there was a scene that showed an alien and a human female caressing. That was it. There was nothing about the implied sex scene. It was literally you showed kissing and caressing on camera. Therefore, no one can sell this game in our country. At least they played the game. Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> At least they, they played it to be like, oh, yeah, we're not okay with this. Like, it's one thing, I think my th- issue with a lot of people who go after video games is, it is one thing to play a game and have a criticism of it. You played the game. I give your criticism a lot more, 
uh, credibility at that point. But if you're someone who goes and is railing against something and you've never played it, you never listened to it, you don't know what it is, you're going off of what that guy said off the internet, not even someone who played the game, just someone who decided, hey, I'm losing ratings, so I'm just going to say something controversial and go. Like... Yeah, it's one of those things where you're just like, oh my god, like, no, like, play the game first, and that way I, you know, I give you more kudos that way when you critic, when you critique something. You know, people who criticize Zelda, if they play, when, and they're ones who played Zelda, and when they come up with their critiques of Zelda, and some can be harsh, I'm like, yep, that's fair. Like, I, pl- like I played the Philips CDI games. <laughs> I pretend I am now going to state that's the only time I will ever mention those games. They sh- do not exist. That's how That's bad a lie. They're bad. They don't deserve to be considered part of it. No, that that's a lie. You you've mentioned them before. Shit. Fine. <laughs> this is the second time they'll be mentioned and that will be the end of them. Um okay. so I just I you just have remembered- your tally. I'll have my Zelda CDI tally. That works for me. <laughs> Um, I just remember. So let's put a bow on this conversation. Sorry, I'm sorry. (laughs) Let's put a bow on the conversation. Yeah, and uh, so, what would be your recommended way to approach this game for a newcomer like me? Um, don't try to start on hardcore. Uh, That seems like a given. But there is the special thing where after you complete the game, if you want to do another playthrough, you can replay it as that character and all of your stats from the previous game. uh, I can't remember if inventory comes with you, but like your hit points, your uh, your skills, all of the stuff from the previous game follows you with that character when you do the new playthrough. I didn't realize that. So I tried, uh, I have completed it on uh, hardcore, not on insanity, because I do not have time for that anymore. But the first time I tried it, I made a new character and I couldn't get past the one, uh, there's, there's, there's a strip club on the Citadel and there's a shootout at some point and I could not get past that. And it's like, one of the earlier missions and it was absolutely bonkers kept dying kept dying if you don't really like games that involve shooting definitely do narrative um from what i've seen it makes it easy but it's not it's not easy easy like boring do a little bit of research on the classes just to figure out like what will be best for your style of play. If I remember correctly, um, there's this thing called the Codex, which pops up in the game. It's constantly getting things updated. It's extremely in-depth. So you, it's like the first time you see a Krogan, you might not get that much information on seeing them, but you'll go into the Codex and there'll be this huge in-depth, like backstory, their physiology, what they're doing on the Citadel, uh, where they hang out, um, or rather what they're not doing on the Citadel because they're not allowed on the Citadel. Um, And the Codex does a pretty good job of steering you in the right direction as far as letting you know, um, like, 
what the classes are going to do for you. Um, you can't really go back and change things. So you're kind of stuck if you want to do it. But like I, I, if you choose something that you don't like, um, but like I said, you're probably still going to enjoy whatever it is because the it, it's not as strict as with like if you try to play a ranged character and realize that in other games where like ranged characters a lot of the times are very squishy and easy to kill and oh you realize oh well I hate this because I keep dying and I don't necessarily have the reflex reflexes to um uh you know uh, dodge like yeah well dodge and a lot of the times um thinking on my mmos uh like blaster characters you have to be very fast because you're constantly like attacking different people um so if you don't like that you the with the classes on this you're still probably going to be able to just not explore that aspect of the, the, the class and sort of steer it in a different direction. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty good for that. I, I'm one of those people that if I find the character that I've made too difficult to play, I will go back and just make another one. And I never had to do that with any of the Mass Effect uh, replays that I did. Except for the one I tried to do with uh, the biotic because I was on hardcore and that was that uh, mistake I made where I kept dying and couldn't figure out why. I was telling you something there, Jen. Mm. Yeah. All I was right. like, oh, well, I guess I'm just really, really bad at being a biotic. And then I thought about it and I was like, okay, this isn't that much different than the other things that I've been playing. Like, I like to be sneaky and snipe things. Uh, as far as being like up close in battle, but I should not be, I should not be dying as quickly and enthusiastically as I am right now. And I think I looked it up and I was like, Oh, I'm doing it wrong. Maybe you should consider a career in developing penicillin because it sounds like you're quite good at being antibiotic. <laughs> but I'm bump. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. We're, we are going to, Pause for another quick break, and when we return, we will have our contact information, and we'll have this day in gaming history, and everything else that comes with it. Stay tuned. Ta-da! the irregulars head over to www.patreon.com backslash fc3roc we're part of the media division of flower city comic-con based in rochester new york we're a non-profit group everything we make off of patreon and everything else we do goes right back into putting on our future conventions and other events from reserving the facilities to bringing in guests if you pledge any amount even a slim dollar you will receive improved access to my blog entries, where every Tuesday I go over current video game news and write retrospectives on old-school arcade games, all delivered conveniently to your inbox. 
there's plenty of other perks and rewards. And if you don't see what you're looking for, reach out to the crew. They'll be happy to work with you. Want to get a hold of us in particular? You can email Christy directly at k-r-i-s-s-i at fc3roc dot org and me at j-a-m-e-s at fc3roc dot org. At the moment, we're still working out most social media matters, but we are indeed on Facebook at Gaming Street Irregulars. Chrissy and I are fairly frequently there sharing news and things we find cool and begging, I mean asking, for your questions and answers to be used in upcoming episodes. Yeah, asking. That's the ticket. We love hearing from you all, whether you have praise, constructive criticism, or just want to share something cool and gaming-related yourselves. Also, wherever you find FC3 on social media, we're usually not too far behind. So if you reach out to them with something for us, they'll get it to us shortly. Legally speaking, all music, sound effects, voice clips, and so on are the properties of their respective owners. We make no claim to them and have no intention of profiting off of them. Please don't sue us. We have nothing you'd want. Welcome back, folks. Time now for This Day in Gaming History on May the 20th in 1994 was the TurboGrafx CD release of Wonder Boy in Monster World, which is a game that's been just recently remade in the last few years, I believe. Yeah, I think for the Switch. Yep, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah the, the Switch remake. Yeah, that's the one I gave you. Yep, the one that you dropped off and everyone was like, ooh, is that your boyfriend? I'm like, nope, that's my good friend. We trade video games. Yeah, it's, it's one of the earlier Metroidvanias before Metroidvania was a coined term. Mm-hmm. And, and you can, and it involves uh, a lot of switching back and forth between various monster forms to take advantage of their abilities to open new pathways and get through tight squeezes or underwater areas or what have you. Mm-hmm. I still haven't gotten as far as I'd like in it, but I have finally picked it up a while back. <laughs> so we've got one last thing to talk about, and that is, of course, the upcoming Flower City Comic Con, with certain COVID restrictions being lifted, especially regarding masks. It's starting to look more and more likely that this show is actually going to happen at least reasonably safely by the time we get to September 25th and 26th. So if you feel safe joining us, we would love to see you. Of course, we're going to still adhere to whatever regulations and restrictions are in place at the time. And, and you know, Chrissy and I will have at least one panel there, and you'll be able to meet us live. There will be over 50 vendors, and we're trying to get some... We're still in the process of negotiating with some guests. I think we still have a couple voice actors on board, the people who oh, voiced nice. uh, Bulma and Master Roshi on Dragon Ball. That sounds interesting. Yeah, I think I think that's coming down the pipeline as well. Um, they do have some other announcements coming, which you will hear about on Nerdful News. That's right. Uh, of course, we have not heard them yet ourselves, but when we know, you'll know. Probably because you'll be listening to it at the same time. Pretty much. <laughs> so, until next week, I'm James Irish. I'm Chrissy Harding. And on behalf of us and Jen Acom, we thank you so much for tuning in to Gaming Street Regulars. And as always, game on. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye.